This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Station is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, Friday, September 18th. This is how we do it for the first time ever. Jerem Jordan is connected over Zoom while I'm hanging out in Studio B to do a show. Great to have you with us, and we should note that Jerem is ranked number 24 in the Zoom Power Rankings. How do you feel about that, Jerem? I was hoping to be higher. I'm a little disappointed. I thought I was top 15. We've been doing Zoom since March. Uh, I literally bought some stock in Zoom in March because I thought this is going to be a thing. It, it's It's been good. I should have bought some more, right? But uh, yeah, gr- great to be on the show remotely. Obviously, uh, this pandemic has created all kinds of different situations. So here we are. So it's always the bu- the bookcase, you know, in the back. Like, what are you showing the back? So I'm trying to think here. I got an old school Lavelle Edwards book, a little Calvin and Hobbes, the Steve Young book from our guy, Jeff Benedict. I also noticed the back of my hair is like not well done, but it's all good. I'm at home. It's all good. Nobody cares when you can't see the back of the hair. So just, yeah, just stay face forward. You look beautiful. Uh, and, I, and I'm glad that uh, people have an idea of what your reading collection looks like now. Um, we'll work on I'm not going to show you Twilight down below. <laughs> now, is that yours or does that belong to somebody else in the household? Who, who knows? <laughs> All right, a mystery for another day. Today's show lineup on a Friday, we've got a dandy. Anthony Treesh, senior college football analyst. Did BYU do what he and Pro Football Focus expected them to do against the Naval Academy? Your first call for a revised BYU basketball schedule. Which top-tier opponents are out there? And which college football team should you watch on Saturday with no BYU at Army Don't forget an NFL edition of Prop Picks as well. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. With the NCAA announcing a 15-day delay to the men's basketball season, Mark Pope says the Cougars are trying to schedule the toughest opponents possible. Uh, Last night was we ran through all of the MTEs uh, that that had dates affected, and we... um, circled every high major that was in those events and and uh we're trying to call them all individually see if we can get those games the season can begin on november 25th we still don't have the schedule for byu as mentioned they are putting it together more on this coming up in what's trending sione takitaki had five total tackles in a cleveland browns win including a half tackle for loss who did the browns beat you ask well it's not important Okay, fine. It was my Bengals. Of note, the Browns have now won six straight Thursday night games. Other Cougars in action Sunday include Michael Davis and the Chargers against Daniel Sorensen and the Chiefs and somehow Jason Shepard. Fred Warner and the Niners versus Harvey Longy and the Jets. Kyle Van Noy and the Dolphins host the Bills. And Jamal Williams and the Packers welcome the Lions. BYU's next opponent, the Troy Trojans, face Middle Tennessee on Saturday in the Trojans' season opener. If you want an early scouting opportunity... Why not watch Saturday, 3 Eastern on ESPN2. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. BYU basketball is go for launch on November 25th, but who will they play with all of these early season multi-team events being canceled? I'm gathering from these next comments, BYU head basketball coach Mark Pope is thinking about those potential high-level opponents a lot. We just want to play 
the hardest schedule we can possibly play. We want to play the best teams we can possibly play. If that means we're flying to Florida and New York in a, in a safe manner uh, to play games, we'll do it. If, if it means we can do it by driving down the freeway, we'll do it. We just, we just know, you know, we believe that we have a good team. We have a lot of things we have to figure out. Uh, I, I think most people say we have a great team if we just had a better coach. So we, we, we got it, but, but we, we have, we have a ton of things we need to figure out, but I don't want this season to go by without us of having every possible opportunity to play the best competition in the country so that we can prove who we are. Jerem, what do you think of this BYU basketball refurbished scheduling philosophy in 2020? I think it is what it is. Uh, we're, we're like football. Tom Hummel had to make up ten games. Are you kidding me? BYU basketball is going to have to make up a bunch of games, and we know they had some good games already scheduled, notably with three Pac-12 teams. I'm glad BYU is getting out of the junk new jam. By the way, that wasn't going to help BYU that much in terms of the quad one, quad two ability there. Maybe one quad two game, but it is what it is. And I think this may this may actually benefit BYU. They may have a better schedule than they would have because now they can uh, organize themselves into different MTEs. Maybe it's not the formal MTEs, the multi-team events that they had before, but now BYU can figure out, okay, how can we get Dayton, Houston, Seton Hall, Baylor, Michigan, Villanova, Louisville, Butler, those kind of teams that would be quad one games on a neutral court? Or maybe it's a bunch of road games. In football, I'm the anti-too-many-power-fives-too-tough schedule thing. That's because you're not rewarded for it. There's no reward for it. But in basketball, there is actual reward for it. The way that the committee looks at your resume is based on who you play and where you play them. So I'm all for loader up in hoops. Yeah, I anticipate the exact opposite of what BYU football had to deal with in 2020, which is you lose all of your Power 5 games and then you just go out and find whoever's available, whether it's from the American Conference, the Sun Belt, Conference USA, and you piece together a schedule that, hey, it's great to have a schedule, but it's not really going to catch any eyeballs outside of a season opener with Navy and maybe a game against Houston. Now, BYU basketball is the benefactor of all of these multi-team events canceling because typically high-level college basketball teams are featured prominently in these events. And so, yeah, BYU could end up playing a Florida or a Dayton. And as you pointed out, Jerem, you're rewarded for this. Even if you lose the game, if you're competitive, then you're rewarded for going on the road and even being in that game. Now, if you win that game, we saw what can happen when you win a special game a la BYU basketball did last year a couple of times when they went on the road and beat Houston, then beat Gonzaga to close out the regular season. So the opportunities will be great. And I like that Mark Pope is continuing this aggressive scheduling mentality. Why would we expect anything differently from him? This is the guy at Utah Valley that played the toughest 24 hours when he played Kentucky and Duke with Utah Valley and actually put up a pretty good fight uh, in both of those games. So, yeah, this is par for the course for Mark Pope. And I'm kind of thinking that he's licking his chops because all of these other teams – they want to be in position to make the NCAA tournament as well. And BYU, based on what they did last year and the schedule they're trying to put together this year, is going to be, more often than not, a quad one opportunity for all of these opposing teams. Most of what Mark Pope and BYU had last year was given to Mark by Dave Rose. That was like San Diego State and Houston, those were already on the schedule. Mark didn't have to get those. But this year, this is Mark's schedule, right? This is Nick Robinson's uh, schedule. 
I'm stoked like you. I think BYU can take advantage of this and play a tougher schedule because if BYU plays a really tough schedule, it's not about it's more about how many quad ones did you have? How many quads two did you have? Did, and we learned from Tom Homo being on the selection committee. It's about having enough of those total games on there and then getting enough of those wins. So hopefully BYU can stack it up. They're going to play, you know, a handful of games fewer. The NCAA said, you know, you're not going to play a 31 game regular season. You're going to play fewer games. So BYU will have fewer opportunities. I would say BYU is probably not going to have as many cupcakes at home uh, they may need to go out on the road a bunch, and then we'll see what happens with the conference schedule. I do want to see Utah on the schedule. I know that the Pac-12 has said we're not playing any games until January 1. Well, maybe things have changed a little bit, right, yes. with the Big Ten returning. In- yeah, it feels like things have changed for the Pac-12, obviously with the Big Ten leading out, <laughs> uh, to say the least. But I, I like that BYU is positioning themselves to go out. And as Mark said, we'll go to New York. We'll go to Florida. We'll travel safely. You're telling me that these coaches from high-level programs are not like, uh, you'll come and play us in our gym? Yeah, okay. Let's schedule BYU. This could be a very, very entertaining, shortened non-conference season for BYU. And, and expect some COVID cancellations and postponements. Uh, I don't know that they'll be rescheduling those, but we'll see. Okay, topic two. We're still eight days out from Troy and BYU. It will have been 19 days between games for BYU uh, until we see them suit up next Saturday in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. So, Spencer, do you expect BYU to execute at the same level it did versus Navy, given the time off and limited practices together? For the most part, yes. I expect BYU to look very, very sharp. They've had plenty of time to prepare for Troy. They've had extra time to put in this new base defense. It won't look like what BYU put on the field against Navy because Navy has such a particular offense when they run the option attack. So you'll see some different things from BYU defensively against Troy, a team that's more of the traditional college football offense that likes to air it out and have some balance there. I think that BYU really has no excuse not to show up looking sharp based on what they did against Navy, especially because they're home and because of the additional time. And you know they want to play. I mean, they're chomping at the bit. So I'm not buying the rust factory. Oh, well, I mean, they beat Navy, but now they're going to be rusty. Man, they're coming off of how many months of rust before they played Navy? The fact that BYU's been together since June 13th and have been one of the few teams that have been well-prepared across the country, even through this pandemic – my expectations are that BYU should look very good. I don't expect 55-3, to three, but I do anticipate that BYU is going to win probably by three scores. Jerem, that's, that's kind of where my expectation level is against Troy. I think it's a 17-plus kind of game. But, hey, beware. Troy has tackled people before, so this is new ground that BYU is going to be breaking against. Oh my gosh, maybe they'll actually tackle BYU. Yeah, I expect BYU to uh, to beat up on Troy. I, I'm with you. I think BYU will be hungry. I think they'll be uh, rested. I, yes, what, what is rust? They didn't win by 52. Like, I don't think BYU is going to win by 52. That was an epic performance. If BYU wins by 52, I'm typically thinking, did we, BYU play Idaho State? Did they play an FCS team? The fact that they did that against Navy was incredible. If BYU does it again, now we're talking about margin helping us figure out how good this team is because as dr bob once told us and he called us thing one and thing two before he told us this (laughs) it takes six games to figure out who you are as a team and for byu perhaps it's a little less this year given that there are fewer games but um i don't want to overreact to game one i don't want to underreact either and byu looked amazing 
let's see if they look amazing in front of the uh, 6,000 fans, which, by the way, uh, people still buying those tickets. Uh, hopefully it doesn't get to the general public because that makes me think if it would have gone to 24, would BYU have sold out. But anyway, buy those tickets, people. Let's go, baby. Yes. It's going to be a fun situation next Saturday. Hey, and there were 6,000 fans at the Browns-Bengals game last night, so if you want a feel of what it's going to sound like and maybe look like, you can go to what the NFL put on Thursday night and see what 6,000 fans in the stands look like. Uh, I'll be at college football atmosphere a little bit different, but be loud. If if you're in the stadium, be loud. And, uh, hey, Jeremy, I'm glad that they're not going with the idea to pipe in fans at home through the speakers in the stadium. I, I think that's a good choice not to do that. Yes, there's less liquor in Lavelle Edwards Stadium as well. I don't think that's going to play a factor in that. Uh, the band should be in there, apparently. Um, it's going to be a fun environment. And, yeah, I've been surprised by how loud the Chiefs and now the uh, Browns were at those games with limited fans. I, I think it's going to be a cool experience for those that get to get go in there. And let's be honest, there's going to be 100,000-plus Cougar fans watching at home. So it's, it's a big deal. Uh, early plug for Countdown to Kickoff. All right, Jerem, stick around because we have much more to do even after our interview. Our question of the day, how much rust, if any, will BYU football have after 19 days between games? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Ben Peterson answers on Twitter, I think the lack of full practices will hurt more than the days off. We saw that with the Navy game. They did not look good, and a small part of it was due to the fact they did not have normal practice. No, they did not have normal practice. BYU did have normal practice, and the Cougars have been normally practicing for a very long time, more so than most teams in college football. So I think there's a lot of validity to that, Jerem. Um, But don't you think that teams will learn from what happened with Navy? (laughs) Maybe (laughs) we anticipate that that won't be the case with the rest of the opponents on BYU's schedule? Yeah, I think everyone will have tackled before BYU. So we'll we'll see if BYU responds, but that's a great point about BYU. They will not have had normal practices leading up to this, so hopefully the Cougars do. Okay, coming up, who to watch tomorrow on a college football Saturday? And Anthony Treesh, pro football-focused senior college football analyst on what BYU football is doing best right now. Stay with us on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Coordinator's Corner returns Monday as the Cougars prepare for Troy. Join Greg Rubel as he chats with the coordinators Monday, 1 Eastern, on the BYU TV app. We are live now in Studio B on a Friday. This is how we do it with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton flying solo for the moment, and I now welcome in Anthony Tresh. Senior college football analyst for Pro Football Focus on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Anthony, great to have you on BYU Sports Nation. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? Fantastic, especially when I look at the numbers that uh, you and your fellows at uh, Pro Football Focus are putting out about BYU. Why, why are the Cougars so highly rated, uh, specifically on the offensive line, it seems like year in and year out? Yeah, and, you know, this was an offensive line that we pegged as one of the best in college football. Assuming we had a, a normal year, all 130 FBS schools were playing, we had them as the sixth best in the country. And they definitely looked like that against Navy. Now you got to kind of have to weigh the opponent there and take that with a grain of salt. 
But I mean, these guys just from top to bottom routinely were creating open holes for the run game and just for the, the zone rushing attack. I mean, some of the blocks were beautiful in there. You know, they, the quality of opponent, again, really wasn't all that great. But I mean, they just absolutely did damage. And I was really excited to see, you know, guys like Clark uh, Barrington and Tristan Hodge to really get out there because those were the top two performers on the line for the game. Typically, you see James Empey and uh, Brady Christensen. Those were, I we feel, as two of the most underrated players at their positions, you know, across the board in all of college football. So it was good to see Barrington and Hodge get in there and ha- have some really good reps. Now, here's the thing. BYU's offensive line coach, Eric Mateos, calls all of this positivity from Pro Football Focus or any other source poison. And he tells his guys not to drink the poison. So uh, how do we approach this with Coach Mateos? Do we just entirely ignore the fact that uh, they're putting up these amazing numbers? I mean, I I respect it. You got to keep the guys motivated. You can't tell them that. Right now, they're the highest-graded offensive line in college football because they're not. Maybe they won't work as hard. Yeah, I, I respect it because you got to keep the guys motivated. Tell them where to improve to make sure they don't lose that number one spot. But right now, I mean, Notre Dame is our top offensive line when you're looking at what they did with quality of opponent. But I think BYU is sneaking up on them. Now, to be fair. Eric Mateos's mom is all about the positivity and the high grades. So maybe you just connect with her that way and leave the coach out of it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a good stuff for the, the fans and sometimes the coaches when, especially when it's bad, that it gives them more motivation. Anthony Trish, senior college football analyst from pro football focus with us on BYU sports nation. How does BYU's offensive line stack up, not just against Notre Dame, but the typical offensive line in uh, one of the power five conferences. Yeah, I think they're, they would be one of the, if assuming they were in a power five conference, they would have one of the better offensive lines in a power five conference. And, you know, when you're seeing some of these grades, if I recall correctly, the run block grade as a team was north of 95.0, which is astronomical. I mean, the first time when I went before I rewatched the game, I couldn't believe it. I thought someone made a mistake down the road, but then I dug into it. I was like, no, this is, this is legit. This is accurate. But I mean, again, Navy, they, we knew they were going to be bad. And I mean, they had every single position, uh, offense and defense, they just didn't stack up with them. I mean, for perspective in regards to expected points added per play, um, that was their worst defensive and offensive showing in the PFF college era in a single game. And we back, it's going back to 2014. And it really wasn't even close. So <laughs> I think it says it says a lot about, you know, BYU is good, but it also says how bad Navy is. But again, that offensive line, I think, would be one of the best in a Power 5 conference. I think you just gave us our stat of the day right there. <laughs> I was going back to 2014. Anthony, uh, for those that aren't familiar with a run block grade or a pass block grade, Walk us through the particulars of how you grade an offensive line because it is a position that most common football fans don't understand much about. Yeah, and the thing about our offensive line grades, those are perhaps the most stable of any position. You see guys in coverage all the time, whether it's collegiate or NFL, you know, they'll have maybe an 80.0 coverage grade, but the next year you see that down to maybe 57. It's just because it's so you know, it's every target's different. So when you get to the offensive line, our, our research and development department found those are the most stable grades year to year. And what we do, we have a process. So we have kind of a grading scale and it goes from zero to 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5
plus one, plus 1.5, plus two. And anything really above that plus one range is those are your wow plays. Those are the ones you go back and watch the highlight and your kind of, your jaw kind of drops. And the same with the minus 0.5, minus one. Once you get into that minus one, minus 1.5, minus two, those are your like, that was a really, really bad play type of thing. So really, you know, it's just all about, you know, it's especially for offensive line and whether it's, you know, pass protection, pass protection, you don't want to lose. I mean, that's, that's a given, you know, and then run blocking again, you don't want to lose your rep. You do not want to lose your matchup, you know, get, get your running back contacted behind the line of scrimmage type of thing. So, I mean, I think those are perhaps one of our best things we have here at PFF are our offensive line days. Anthony Trish from Pro Football Focus with us on BYU Sports Nation. I know we've talked a lot about Navy and how bad they were in that season opener against BYU, but when you look at BYU's schedule, it's not exactly something to write home about in terms of strength. So where do you anticipate the BYU offense as a whole will finish when all is said and done in this strange 2020 season? I think they're going to finish pretty good. And, you know, you mentioned that their schedule, it's pretty weak across the board. I think maybe their toughest matchup might be Western Kentucky, but I'm starting to have doubts about their defense as well. I thought they had an above average group of five defense, but this past weekend, it's Louisville. They looked bad. I mean, bad across the board. Hopefully it was just rust for them. But yeah, I mean, BYU schedule, it's pretty, pretty easy there for them. I'm really curious to see how this offense is going to end up. We had them. You know, with all the 130 FBS schools, we had them in the mid 40s in our offensive ranking. Um, and then Zach Wilson, quarterback, he was in the mid 30s for uh, that. But when you're looking at the defenses they face, I wouldn't be surprised if they put up numbers that are in that top 15, top 10 type of range, just because the, the defenses they're going to face, I mean, they're going to be better than Navy, but they're not going to be a whole lot better. Wow, okay. I think BYU fans, regardless of opponent, can get on board with a top 15 or a top 10 offense because it's been a while. And you mentioned Zach Wilson, who's leading the charge for this BYU offense at quarterback. Uh, what is his best trait? What, what does he grade out at best right now? Yeah, it's definitely his ball placement on, you know, on underneath concepts. I mean, that's really that was the backbone of his success in the past. I mean, just last year on any throws less than nine yards downfield. He was the 17th highest graded quarterback in college football. But the thing that, you know, kind of gave us a little bit of pause with him was just the, some of the decisions he made when going downfield, he got tricked a few times, didn't really, sometimes it looked like he forgot to read the defense and, you know, he threw a bad turnover worthy throw and, you know, a turnover worthy throw for those who don't know, you know, you have your basic box score interceptions, but all the time you'll have, a quarterback throwing right to the, you know, say it's a linebacker, hit him right in the midst. He drops it. Everyone forgets about it. It's just an incomplete pass. But in our grading system, it incorporates that, and it gives it the same, you know, if he did catch it or not, it's the same grade. It's not going to be a good one type of thing. And so when you're looking at his turnover-worthy throw rate on throws of 10 or more yards last year, he was outside of the top 100. And then we he also had one of those against Navy. So that's, that's one thing I'm kind of curious to see how he goes. But I mean, again, he, he landed in the mid-30s in our quarterback rankings for a reason. So, Yeah, the interception at Navy, uh, his receiver slips and he throws it, it looks like, straight to a defender. But from what you're telling me, you grade the mistake level within the interception on a pretty detailed scale. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and we'll have, we have all the time interceptions that aren't deemed turnover-worthy. You know, you'll see that quite a bit, whether – 
you know, it's um, you miscommunication there. That's something we try to debunk. That's kind of the, the number one thing you look at, you know, was there a miscommunication here? Was it the receiver's fault? Did, you know, did he tip it up in the air or was it the quarterback's fault type of thing? So yeah, we get, we get very deep into these types of things, you know, try and get the most accurate representation of what a quarterback is. As good as BYU's offense was, and they were really good against Navy, the defense gave up all of three points in Annapolis, headlined by Kyrus Tonga, the big man on the front. What do you like most about Kyrus's game, and how does it translate potentially to an NFL career? Yeah, it's definitely the run defense. I mean, that that's the first thing that comes, you know, jumps off the tape there. And he actually had one of the highest run defense grades for BYU. He had the second highest run defense grade at 75.6. So, I mean, that's really, you know, that that's his bread and butter. I'm not sure how much he's going to do as a pass rusher, but I mean, he's going to stop the run all day long. Anthony, great to have you on BYU Sports Nation, man. You're a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the details of football. And I'm sure as long as BYU continues to do well in pro football focus, we're probably going to want to talk to you. <laughs> that's awesome. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Anthony Trish on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Coming up. First call for a BYU basketball schedule. Jerem Jordan rejoins me for that conversation. Stay with us on BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. After further review, returns Tuesday with Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, and David Nixon. Watches they get you set for BYU's home opener in 2020 against Troy. After further review, available Tuesday on the BYU TV app at 7 p.m. Eastern. Teamed up with Zoom superstar Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it! The Cougar Whip Around, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Mark Pope says the staff is reaching out to every high major to reschedule games that they lost. If you were Mark Pope, who are you calling? Uh, I am calling Dayton, first of all, because Dayton was a projected one seed last year, and they're going to be good again this year, Jerem. So I'd start with Dayton, and then he mentioned New York and Florida specifically, so I'm, I'm going to start looking at high-level teams within those states as well. Listen, Mark Pope and the Cougars wanted to go to the Bahamas. It doesn't sound like that's happening, so they got to make it up by going to Florida, right? Yeah, Dayton, Houston, Seton Hall, Baylor, Michigan, Villanova, Louisville, Butler, those are the ones that were top 50 that stood out as big names, big brands. All right, Jeremy, with BYU football not on the docket tomorrow, no CBS, no Army, ugh, it hurts. Which college football games pique your interest the most in the stead of BYU's vacancy? There's only one ranked matchup. BYU and Army would have been two, by the way. Miami and Louisville, so that's one. Uh, Houston versus Baylor, that's yeah. a good matchup. Obviously, Houston, an opponent. Liberty and Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky, an opponent, and because Liberty's weird. Troy, Middle Tennessee, obviously Troy next week. And then App State Marshall's kind of fun. I know you're a little bit different than me on this, but I, I have a vested interest in, in rooting for certain teams to win just because I want the context to be, in my mind, better for BYU. So actually, I'm rooting hard for Houston to beat Baylor. I want Troy to beat Middle Tennessee, and I want Western Kentucky to beat Liberty. Let's get winners on the BYU schedule. Yes, no, if it's a bad schedule and BYU's 8-0 or whatever, it's not going to really matter. So, yeah, of course, all the opponents should win. There's no Utah, Utah State, Boise State to root against. You know what I'm saying? 
Okay, Tim McTire is reportedly the new head coach at Atalanta High School in California. Where does he rank in your former BYU secondary guys list? Oh, man. He's got to be top five for sure, along with uh, Dewey Graham. And Tim McTire was an NFL draft pick. Um, I know that fans... They love Omar Morgan because of the play he made in the Cotton Bowl, but Tim McTire was the blanket, bro. Yeah, Tim McTire was the star of that 1996 defensive backfield. Uh, the 1989-90 teams with uh, Brian Mitchell and Irvin Lee. I mean, there there were some really really good players in the Lavelle era when, that were playing defense when Ty Demmer was the quarterback. But I mean, Tim McTire is for sure top five, maybe top three for me. Yeah, he was up there. I loved Preston Hadley. Of course, our guy, Brian Logan. I love the swag that Joe Sampson brought, not only on the field, but at Rancheritos as well. (laughs) It was Heisman versus Heisman last night in the NFL with Baker Mayfield of the Cleveland Browns and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals. Jeremy, which which two former BYU Cougars would you like to see face off in an NFL game? Well, I think we already saw this on November 10th, 1997. Ty Detmer and Steve Young on Monday Night Football. Uh, the Niners won 24-12. Both both quarterbacks stunk in that game, actually. Uh, both completed only 13 passes and had fewer than 140 yards passing and had a pick and no touchdowns. So it wasn't the performance we wanted, but we did see BYU's Heisman versus one of its top three quarterbacks of all time, the greatest overall quarterback in Steve Young. And an epic Monday Night Football contest you just referenced right there. And we did see two Cougars, albeit not quarterbacks, face off in the Super Bowl last year. Daniel Sorensen with the Chiefs and Andy Reid, the head coach, against Fred Warner and the 49ers, which I thought was outstanding. Now, if I had my pick in 2020, I would opt for Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams, specifically in the NFL playoffs. I would love to see those two guys and their teams face each other in the NFC playoffs. That would be awesome. And uh, I haven't looked to see if they do have a game this year. I don't know. Tony Finau is competing in the U.S. Open day two today. Finau tied for 20th at one over through 14 holes in the second round. He actually bogeyed the first three holes today. Uh, I have him at two, uh, I guess, three, yeah, two over today. Uh, he he was even par, I guess, on the first. Is this the tournament that he wins? Man, I want to say yes so badly, but... As good as Tony is and is consistently in the top 10 and top 25 that he's been on most PGA Tour events, I don't don't think this is the event. Um, It's going to take some miraculous putting if it is because the greens at the U.S. Open are just borderline insane. They're, They're unfair, really. I mean, I saw Zach Johnson hit a putt 12 feet past the hole yesterday, go up a hill, and then it came back down the hill and went in the hole. That That's the type of green we're talking about. Tony is so consistent, but I don't know if his putter is what it needs to be this week. Yeah, he's six shots off the lead right now. It can certainly make that up in the next uh, couple of rounds. But, yeah, I'm not sure this is the one, but he will get one, and hopefully it's a major. Yes, it's bound to happen. Tony Finau is going to win the big one eventually. All right, Jerem, let's keep things rolling, man. Okay, coming out this week's Prop Picks NFL style. Yes, again, BYU not playing, so we're seeking alternative means. Plus, both basketball coaches at BYU, Mark Pope for the men's team and women's coach Jeff Judkins, sound off on the scheduled restart of NCAA hoops, the most critical items they discussed next. This is BYU Sports Nation. 
BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU football with Kalani Satake is back Tuesday, September 22nd, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app as the coach. And voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, get us ready for BYU's home opener against Troy, September 22nd on the BYU TV app. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on a Friday in Studio B. Let's talk more hoops. A hot topic, understandably, after the head coaches at BYU on the men's and women's side spoke with the media yesterday. Jerem, let's start with this. Mark Pope was asked where the conversation is with the University of Utah in keeping that rivalry game. I think we both really want the game. Um, uh, you know, I, I, so, so, you know, there's been a lot of whisperings that, um, that the PAC 12, you know, might move off of the January 1st date. I, I know you guys are hearing them just as much as I am. And so we'll see, uh, obviously we're talking to, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, coach, coach, uh, conversations that are going on, um, uh, we've talked to several teams from the Pac-12 because uh, we had a bunch of teams on the schedule. And so, um, w- you know, we'll kind of wait and see what the announcement is. But I do know that all the games that we have slated so far, uh, teams are really eager to find a way to keep them or to reschedule them or to find a way to make it happen. Jerem, what do you think of the rivalry rhetoric from Mark Pope? I think it'd be great to have Utah on the schedule. I, I think BYU and Utah should play every year in every sport. Uh, they used to play twice a year in many of the sports because they were in the same league. So I would love to see this game rescheduled. And Mark Pope mentioned the other Pac- a bunch of Pac-12 games. BYU had Arizona State on a semi-away in Phoenix, not in Tempe uh, game. And then they had uh, Oregon in Portland, which is just uh, about 90 minutes, two hours away from Eugene. So those those would have been nice games, but I do want to see Utah on the schedule. I just think it's good for both teams. Absolutely. It makes sense. It is a 40-minute bus ride, and especially because the teams didn't get to play football this year. Basketball, it feels like, has to happen. Although, I did see somebody pining for a BYU-Utah football matchup in a bowl game. Jeremy, are you on board for something yes, like that? Please. <laughs> yes, please. Although I don't want the first quarter of the Vegas Bowl again, but I want the other three quarters. Uh, that was a miserable experience in the first quarter and then oh. losing that game. But then it was negated, as I called, by when BYU hires a new coach, we'll all forget about this. And, um, in fact, I can't even remember. Did BYU win that game or did they not? <laughs> It doesn't matter. Let's just keep talking basketball. Uh, Mark Pope also says that seven foot three inch Matt Harms, the transfer from Purdue, is fitting in better than he expected at this point at BYU. He has fit in beautifully. I mean, that's part of the reason why he chose to come in here is because he fits and and uh, he's taken on a real leadership role and he's a he's an extraordinarily talented player and his skill set is actually a little bit different than I thought it was even coming in it's been it's been really exciting to watch him are you all in on the matt harms hype yeah i I don't think we expect him to be this 2010 and four blocks guy game you know i I think his role is going to be kind of a a 10 5 and 2 guy so yeah I, i think he clogs up the middle um he's gonna prove extremely valuable with not only his experience going to multiple uh, you know, a, a sweet 16. And I think in the lead eight, right. With Purdue, which is awesome. He's played high level ball and he's going to benefit BYU in a great way, not only by his seven, three height, but uh, he's hungry and has something to prove. Grad transfers are awesome because they don't mess around. They're ready to do something in that one year. 
Jerem, to quote Mark Pope, this Matt Harms and this BYU basketball team <laughs> won the pandemic offseason. They created so much excitement and so much juice, even with no games, because they went out and they got all of these high-level transfers. And in spite of losing T.J. Haas and Yoli Childs and Jake Toulson and Zach Selyus and, I mean, just the core of the team, we're all still excited so, yeah, I'm buying in not just the Matt Harms, but BYU basketball as a whole. And I just got this sense of excitement back that we felt in May and June when the basketball team was collectively doing these things. I cannot wait to watch them play and see how they come together and gel on the floor when these games get going. And, and I'd love to see them compete against several high-level teams. Yes, and last year I think it was it wasn't easy, but it was easier for that group of seven seniors and a group that didn't make the NIT to be hungry and come together. I, I think that was sort of a natural uh, thing, and Mark Pope and his staff did an amazing job at actually making it happen. It's one thing to to for it to coalesce um, in theory, but to actually do it. This group's different. This isn't a uh, to, this is a, 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 a hodgepodge, a potluck of players, if you will different strengths, different talents from different areas, literally from all over the world with the Netherlands and Nigeria involved with Harms and Gideon George, who we'll talk about in a second. This is more of a challenge for the staff to bring this team together. Best locker room in America. They have their own hashtag. They wear them on shirts in practice. And think about this. BYU football is ranked right now. BYU basketball, we hope, will be ranked. Wouldn't it be something if both teams were ranked and nationally relevant going into December? When was the last time that happened? I think BYU is uniquely suited for a pandemic I, I, because we've talked about it. I think BYU is built for weird. Not only is BYU weird, sometimes I think we were built for weird. BYU <laughs> wants to stick out. BYU wants to be different. And guess what? BYU is extremely prepared as a university, not only financially, but organizationally. Hopefully the students get their act together right with COVID. I'm talking about the university itself in terms of preparing for this. And athletics, they love to stick out when things aren't normal and what BYU has done in this situation with football in, in trying to play, obviously had some COVID cases trying to get it together. But I think even basketball, Mark Pope loves chaos because that's where he thrives is, Hey, let's figure this out. Even though it's weird. Let's stay with uh, the transfer theme here within BYU basketball. Mark Pope added the following on what Juco transfer Gideon George is bringing to the floor. Gideon George is uh, from the day he got here till today. I don't know if I've seen a player grow more than him. Um, you know, he's he's so exciting. Uh, you know, he's he's a guy that in one possession will come up with three deflections. You know, he stat every deflection every single practice, and most of the guys try and get three deflections in a practice. He's getting three deflections in one possession, and uh, he's just such a monster on the offensive glass. He's he's. I mean, he's, he's getting an offensive rebound from 30 feet away. It's, it's, you know, I exaggerate all the time, but that's not that much of an exaggeration. Uh, he's been really, really fun for us to watch um, and, and is doing a, a, a really special job for us. Hey, remember that time Gideon George got a rebound from 30 feet away? Do you expect Gideon George to make an impact this season? Oh, very much so. I'm not sure he's a starter, but I think he's going to be a bench guy that defends well. He's got a post-up game. Reminds me a little bit of Keeney Young Light. Don't want to put pressure on him. I know Kawhi Leonard's even been thrown out there. That's that's way too much. Let's let's just calm down on that. But Gideon George is a guy with a high upside. Six six out of Nigeria did some tremendous work, which we highlighted earlier this week on on shoes back home in his country. He's hungry. He wants to do something. He's got two years to do so. 
Mark Pope's talking about what he can do on the defensive end. He's getting better at the three. I'm excited to watch this guy play, and maybe he becomes a starter, but I think initially he's a productive bench player. Yes, he will make an impact from the bench predominantly, but like you, I'm interested to see how BYU uses him. What position will he play primarily? Will it be more of the three, or are they going to use him as an undersized yet really athletic four and try and develop his outside shot a la Yoli Childs was doing as uh, a number four from the outside. We'll see. And how does he fit in with a guy like Matt Harms and Colby Lee? Just There are so many fascinating things to think about. On to women's basketball. Former NBA veteran and the current women's basketball coach Jeff Judkins discussed the biggest challenge facing all college coaches right now. The biggest challenge is not going to be us practicing or us doing things in the annex. It's going to be what do my players do when they leave the annex? And how do they, how do they deal with the social part of college athletics and how do they take care of themselves? And you have, if you want a season, you got to be willing to sacrifice and you got to be willing to really be careful and do the things that you need to. I think that'll be, the biggest thing it's going to, we have to totally continually bring that up to them and make them understand that. Jeremy, I feel like not enough people are talking about the specific things that coach Judkins just referenced. It's all great. Sports are happening. They're back, but these are college kids. Naturally they want social lives and a lot of them are probably not willing to give that up. So how much of a factor do you think this is in what's going to happen with the season and potential COVID shutdowns? Yeah, they're going to have to be guarded because uh, obviously we've seen what uh, a, a bigger number of BYU students have done than any other university. We didn't want to lead in COVID positive cases, but that's the case. Uh, and we've even seen that on our own staff, right? Certain roommates of people or people. I think even if you're very, very cautious, wear a mask and stuff, there's still a chance you can get it. It doesn't mean you're reckless if you get a positive test. But if you're the athletes and you're the program around the athletes, you've got to be very careful. You've got to, you've got to be mindful of where you're going, what you're touching, how much you're sanitizing. You've got to wear your mask if you want a season to happen. This doesn't mean, even if you're 100% good at that, that you won't have COVID enter the team in some capacity and have a game canceled or two. Um, so I, I think we need to be mindful of that. But hopefully BYU can limit that and be able to play. And you can not only control your team. You can't control the other team. If I'm Army, I'm upset that BYU, for whatever reason, reckless or not, had positive tests and exposure that caused this game this weekend to not, not happen. Sacrifice is the right word. And in his commentary, the coach mentioned that he had to leave a restaurant at uh, an important family event because – a bunch of people were not wearing masks and he was thinking about his team and the potential ramifications. And it's going to take that level of dedication, not just from the coaching staff, but from the players to see a potential event and say, you know what, this is probably not a good scenario. I'm not going to take the risk. I want to pull myself up because I care about the game and my teammates and the bigger picture more. But as coach Judkin said, we got to remind them about it constantly just because there are so many distractions, uh, especially as a younger athlete. And I think when you're in a restaurant, that's like the, that's like the weird area, right? Because obviously you can't wear a mask when you eat, but how close are you to other people? And 
who's at this event that you don't interact with regularly that you don't want to maybe exposed to. We fill an app out every day saying, were you in close contact with anyone six feet for more than 15 minutes? I don't know what's gone into the 15 minutes part. Like if I'm in front of someone for 15, 14, 59, am I good? And then 15, suddenly the COVID uh, opportunity skyrockets. I'm sure there was good research that gone into that, but yeah, you, you do have to be careful. There's a lot of gray area there, but, um, but, just know that there's going to be some games canceled regardless of how safe you are. Game number one for BYU football will feature 6,000 fans. But, hey, even those that can't be in attendance, they're going to have some opportunities, Jerem. That's right. Coming up, we'll tell you how you can get your cardboard cutout in Lavelle Edwards Stadium and a bag full of swag. Who doesn't want that? Plus our NFL edition of Prop Picks. We're making the most out of a no BYU football weekend. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation's Rising Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation continues on a Friday with this daily reminder. The show is available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Hey, if you haven't already, download the podcast. You can Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, subscribe, rate, and give us that five-star review, baby. All right, Jerem, with no BYU Army game and no CBS National Window, we're trying to make the most out of this scenario, and we're going to still pull off some prop picks based on Cougars in the NFL. But we need another voice to come in and join us. Ben Bagley, you have some free time right now? Okay, I can't hear Ben. Apparently he doesn't. (laughs) I wanted Ben in on this, and I tried, so we'll make note of it. All right, Jerem. Then I will start, and I present this question. You lead three to two over uh, myself and Jason, so you will pick first. More yards this weekend in the NFL. Taysom Hill of the New Orleans Saints or Jamal Williams of the Green Bay Packers? I go Taysom Hill. I think he had uh, more last week by 20-something yards, so I'm going to go Taysom. I think he gets more involved in the offense than Jamal does, although Jamal catches a lot of passes. So I am going to take Jamal Williams, which I I agree, I think is an aggressive pick. Uh, Taysom Hill is probably the smart play here, but if I'm going to get back in this contest early, because we're all of one week into this, I'm going to go with Jamal Williams. I do expect it to be a high-scoring game between Green Bay and Detroit because neither of those defenses is great. Uh, So I think Jamal Williams is going to do some things against the Detroit Lions. And for the record... Number two, more tackles. Oh, sorry, I was going to say Taysom Hill was Jason's pick, but... We probably don't need to mention that, do we? <laughs> okay, number two, more tackles. Kyle Van Oy or Fred Warner? I like Fred Warner. The Arizona Cardinals ran a ton against the San Francisco 49ers. I think that the 49ers are going to be on high alert, and uh, Fred Warner is going to mean business. So I'm going with Fred Warner. Fred, nine tackles uh, last week. He's going to have at least nine against the Jets. Michael Davis and the Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego. Do you think they'll keep it within five points, the line of Daniel Sorensen and the Chiefs, or will Kansas City win by six-plus? No, this is easy. Chiefs six-plus. That offense is way too good. Yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs by at least a touchdown. And not surprisingly, Jason picked the Chargers. No, I'm kidding. He picked the Chiefs. (laughs) 
<laughs> More points scored by your Bengals 30 last night or given up by my Seahawks Sunday night against the Patriots. Uh, it's the Bengals. And honestly, I, the Bengals scored 30. If you told me the Bengals were going to score 30, I'd have picked them to beat the Browns. But yeah, the Bengals scoring 30 is, is going to be more than the Seahawks give up. Yeah, I don't see the Seahawks giving up 30-plus uh, to Cam Newton and the new-look Patriots. So, yeah, I go with the Bungles. Yeah, the run-centric Patriots that scored, I think, 21 last week or something like that. Yeah, it, it, it's it's going to be the Bengals. Okay, last one. Over under two-and-a-half post-game cheeseburgers for Kansas City Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. I'm guessing over? Is that? Can I say that? <laughs> How do we get confirmation on this? You know, <laughs> we have connection to Andy. We can find out. That's true. I do. I do have some connections. So yeah, maybe we need to uh, hit up Tammy, his wife, and be like, "All right, how many how many cheeseburgers did the coach eat after what we think will be a win against the Chargers?" That wraps up. She's like, "New phone? Who this?" <laughs> probably. Yeah. Pro- probably. Our question of the day. Uh, it, it deals with BYU football. And, okay, and now things just got deleted, Jerem. So now I'm searching for our question of the day. How much rust, there it is, if any, will will BYU football have after 19 days between games? And our elite voice of the day is from Weston Cottom on Facebook. None. They went the whole offseason, came out firing on all cylinders at Navy. Sky is definitely the limit for these guys. And, see, I I agree with Weston. I'm leaning that direction. I think the hunger is there. That'd be nice. Okay, today's Rise and Shoutouts presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. If you missed this, BYU's handing out a Heisman or a National Championship fan pack and includes a BYU yard sign, a flag, a signed football, a cardboard cutout of you to be placed in the stadium by the Louisiana Tech game on October 2nd, a Cougar Tail, Cougar Crunch, BYU Concession Souvenir Cup stickers and roller banner. I don't even know what a roller banner is, but this is awesome, man. You can participate even if you're not at the game. They can mail it to you. This it's, is sweet. It's so great. And we're going to take our uh, cardboard cutouts. I'll make sure that they're in the stadium for the Troy game, too. Yes. All right. Our thanks to today's guest, Anthony Treesh of Pro Football Focus. Sorry, Dennis Pitter ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSA. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Chris Ellison. We'll see you Monday on BYU Sports Nation when it'll be game week again. Finally, go Cougs.